0: Chapter 39 of A Short History of the World by H. G. Wells This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 39 The Barbarians Break the Empire into East and West Throughout the 3rd century, the Roman Empire, decaying socially and disintegrating morally, faced the barbarians. The emperors of this period were fighting military autocrats, and the capital of the empire shifted with the necessities of their military policy now the imperial headquarters would be at milan in north italy now in what is now serbia at Sirmum or nish now in nicomedia in asia minor rome halfway down italy was too far from the center of interest to be a convenient imperial seat it was a declining city over most of the empire peace still prevailed and men went without arms the armies continued to be the sole repositories of power the emperors dependent on their legions became more and more autocratic to the rest of the empire and their state more and more like that of the persian and other oriental monarchs diocletian assumed a royal diadem and oriental robes all along the imperial frontier, which ran roughly along the Rhine and Danube, enemies were now pressing. The Franks and other German tribes had come up to the Rhine. In North Hungary were the Vandals, in what was once Daikia and is now Romania, the Visigoths or West Goths. Behind these in South Russia were the East Goths or Ostrogoths, and beyond these again in the Volga region the alans but now mongolian peoples were forcing their way towards europe the Huns were already exacting tribute from the ellens and ostrogoths and pushing them to the west in asia the roman frontiers were crumpling back under the push of a renaissance persia this new persia the persia of the sassanid kings was to be a vigorous and on the whole a successful rival of the roman empire in asia for the next three centuries A glance at the map of Europe will show the reader the peculiar weakness of the empire. The river Danube comes down to within a couple of hundred miles of the Adriatic Sea, in the region of what is now Bosnia and Serbia. It makes a square re-entrant angle there. The Romans never kept their sea communication in good order, and this two-hundred-mile strip of land was their line of communication between the western, Latin-speaking part of the empire and the eastern, Greek-speaking portion. Against this square angle of the Danube, the barbarian pressure was greatest. When they broke through, there it was inevitable that the empire should fall into two parts. A more vigorous empire might have thrust forward and reconquered Dacia, but the Roman empire lacked any such vigour constantine the great was certainly a monarch of great devotion and intelligence he beat back a raid of the goths from just these vital balkan regions but he had no force to carry the frontier across the danube he was too preoccupied with the internal weaknesses of the empire he brought the solidarity and moral force of christianity to revive the spirit of the declining empire and he decided to create a new permanent capital at Byzantium upon the Hellespont. This new-made Byzantium, which was rechristened Constantinople in his honor, was a still building when he died. Towards the end of his reign occurred a remarkable transaction. The Vandals, being pressed by the Goths, asked to be received into the Roman Empire. They were assigned lands in Pannonia, which is now that part of Hungary west of the Danube, and their fighting men became nominally legionaries. But these new legionaries remained under their own chiefs. Rome failed to digest them. Constantine died working to reorganize his great realm, and soon the frontiers were ruptured again, and the Visigoths came almost to Constantinople. They defeated the emperor Valens at Adrianople, and made a settlement in what is now Bulgaria, similar to the settlement of the Vandals in Pannonia. Nominally, they were subjects of the emperor, practically they were conquerors. From 379 to 395 AD reigned the emperor Theodosius the Great, and while he reigned, the empire was still formally intact. Over the armies of Italy and Pannonia presided Stilicho, a Vandal, over the armies in the Balkan peninsula Alaric, a Goth. When Theodosius died at the close of the 4th century, he left two sons. Alaric supported one of these, Arcadius, in Constantinople, and Stilicho the other, Honorius, in Italy. In other words, Alaric and Stilicho fought for the empire, with the princes as puppets. In the course of their struggle, Alaric marched into Italy, and after a short siege, took Rome, 410 A.D. The opening half of the 5th century saw the whole of the Roman Empire in Europe the prey of robber armies of barbarians. It is difficult to visualize the state of affairs in the world at that time. Over France, Spain, Italy, and the Balkan Peninsula, the great cities that had flourished under the early empire still stood, impoverished, partly depopulated and falling into decay. Life in them must have been shallow, mean, and full of uncertainty. Local officials asserted their authority and went on with their work, with such conscience as they had, no doubt in the name of the now remote and inaccessible emperor. The churches went on but usually with illiterate priests. There was little reading and much superstition and fear, but everywhere except where looters had destroyed them, books and pictures and statuary and such-like works of art were still to be found. The life of the countryside had also degenerated. Everywhere this Roman world was much more weedy and untidy than it had been. In some regions war and pestilence had brought the land down to a level of a waste. Roads and forests were infested with robbers. Into such regions barbarians marched, with little or no opposition, and set up their chiefs as rulers, often with Roman official titles. If they were half-civilized barbarians, they would give the conquered districts tolerable terms. They would take possession of the towns, associate and intermarry, and acquire, with an accent, the Latin speech, but the jutes the angles and saxons who submerged the roman province of britain were agriculturalists and had no use for towns they seem to have swept south britain clear of the romanized population and they replaced the language by their own teutonic dialects which became at last english it is impossible in the space at our disposal to trace the movements of all the various german and slavonic tribes as they went to and fro in the disorganized empire, in search of plunder and a pleasant home. But let the Vandals serve as an example. They came into history in East Germany. They settled, as we have told, in Pannonia. Thence they moved somewhere about 425 A.D. through the intervening provinces to Spain. There they found Visigoths from South Russia and other German tribes, setting up dukes and kings. From Spain, the Vandals under Genseric sailed for North Africa, 429, captured Carthage, 439, and built a fleet. They secured the mastery of the sea and captured and pillaged Rome, 455, which had recovered very imperfectly from her capture and looting by Alaric half a century earlier. Then, the Vandals made themselves masters of Sicily, Corsica, Sardinia, and most of the other islands of the western Mediterranean. They made, in fact, a sea empire, very similar in its extent, to the sea empire of Carthage seven hundred odd years before. They were at the climax of their power about 477. They were a mere handful of conquerors holding all this country. In the next century. Almost all their territory had been reconquered for the empire of Constantinople during a transitory blaze of energy under Justinian I. The story of the Vandals is but one sample of a host of similar adventures. But now there was coming into the European world the least kindred and most redoubtable of all these devastators, the Mongolian Huns or Tartars, a yellow people active and able, such as the Western world had never before encountered. End of chapter 39